This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, at least 400 were arrested as protesters in Brazil stormed into key government buildings. The unrest occurred just a week after the inauguration of President Lula da Silva. President Biden visits the southern border before heading to Mexico. Texas Governor Greg Abbott hand-delivers a letter to him with some stern words. The U.S. House has a new speaker. Kevin McCarthy wields the gavel, but can he continue to unite the GOP? He needs majority support to pass the rules package to govern the House. National security concerns about Chinese espionage are raised in the U.K. It comes after a hidden transmitter was found in a government vehicle. And nearly 30 Chinese aircraft entered Taiwan's air defense zone, two of them nuclear-capable bombers. This is China conducts a war drill near the self-ruled island. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Monday, January 9th. And we're heading over to Brazil to start the program. Protesters there breached and attacked the nation's Congress, the Supreme Court, and presidential palace in the capital of Brasilia. This just a week after the inauguration of President Lula da Silva. And today's Daniel Monaghan has this report. Dramatic scenes from Brazil's capital where thousands stormed the country's seats of government on Sunday. Supporters of former President Jair Bolsonaro wrapped in Brazilian flags were seen breaking windows and flooding parts of Congress with a sprinkler system. Rioters were also filmed inside the presidential palace and smashing furniture in Congress and the Supreme Court. Security forces were initially overwhelmed by the protesters. Bolsonaro, currently residing in Florida, condemned the attacks on Twitter. He pushed back against President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, known as Lula, who had blamed him for what had occurred. He wrote that, quote, peaceful demonstrations in the form of the law are part of democracy. However, the destroying of and breaking into public buildings as occurred today, as well as those practiced by the left in 2013 and 2017, escape the rule. Meanwhile, Lula declared a so-called federal security intervention until the end of January. Like true vandals destroying what they found in front of them. We think there was a lack of security and I wanted to tell you that all those people who did this will be found and punished. He says the protesters will realize that democracy guarantees the right to freedom and free speech. But it also demands that people respect the institutions created to strengthen democracy. In related news, Brazil's Supreme Court Justice Alexandre de Moraes removed Brasilia Governor Ibanez Rocha for 90 days, alleging security flaws that allowed the breach of government buildings. More than 400 people have been arrested since the protests began. Mass protests have persisted in Brazil since the outcome of the national election on October 30th of last year. Bolsonaro supporters doubt the authenticity of the results. They have blockaded major roads across Brazil and demanded that the military step in to intervene. Lula, a socialist, was declared the winner with nearly 51% of the vote. Bolsonaro has not publicly conceded, but said in a speech in November 2022 that he would abide by the country's constitution. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. President Biden visited the U.S.-Mexico border yesterday. He flew into El Paso, Texas, where he was greeted by Governor Greg Abbott. 
Abbott met Biden as he departed the plane and hand-delivered a letter to him. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Biden's first visit to the southern border since taking office. Abbott started his letter with, Your visit to our southern border with Mexico today is $20 billion too little and two years too late. His stern words for the president didn't end there. The Texas governor called the trip a photo op and a game of pretend in a carefully stage-managed version of El Paso. He says the city rushed to remove illegal immigrants and migrant camps crowding the downtown core ahead of the visit, and that his trip sidesteps the sites where mass illegal immigration occurs, as well as avoids the thousands of landowners whose lives he says were destroyed by Biden's border policies. Abbott told Biden it's because the administration wants to shield him from the chaos being endured by Texans every day. Biden's roughly four-hour visit was highly controlled. He encountered no migrants except about a dozen visible on the Mexican side. His visit did not include time at a border patrol station where migrants who cross illegally are arrested and held before their release. He delivered no public remarks. Abbott said in his letter that the border crisis is a direct result of Biden's failure to enforce immigration laws enacted by Congress. He pointed out a stark contrast between Biden's administration and former President Trump's, saying during Trump's time in office, the federal government achieved historically low levels of illegal immigration. Now Abbott says the U.S. is suffering the worst illegal immigration in the history of the country, and that the current open border policies are emboldening the cartels, who grow rich off trafficking fentanyl and human beings. Abbott says all of this is happening because Biden is violating his constitutional obligation to defend the states against invasion through faithful execution of federal laws. He laid out five solutions to fix the problem, all of which are immigration laws already on the books. Abbott finished his letter by imploring the president to secure the border by enforcing Congress's immigration laws. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Abbott's solutions include the enforcement of Remain in Mexico in Title 42 and aggressive prosecution of illegal crossings between ports of entry. He also asked that Mexican drug cartels be designated as foreign terrorist organizations and construction of the border wall in Texas be continued. President Biden arrived in Mexico last night. He's there to attend the North America summit today and tomorrow. He's meeting with Mexico's president and Canada's prime minister. Biden announced an expanded list of nationalities who can be expelled back to Mexico last week. The administration's plan is to block migrants from Cuba, Nicaragua and Haiti at the border. The administration also plans to let 30,000 migrants from those countries and Venezuela come to the U.S. legally per month. They will need to get a sponsor, pass background checks and travel by plane. A bipartisan group of senators plans to visit the border next week. They will visit El Paso, Texas and Yuma, Arizona. Close to 2.4 million illegal border crossers were apprehended over the last fiscal year. And this, the number seems to be going up. In the first two months of fiscal year 2023, apprehensions increased from the same period the year before. Colorado Governor Jared Polis says the state will stop busing illegal immigrants to Chicago and New York City. The move triggered outcry from the city's Democratic mayors. According to the governor's office, Polis decided to reverse course after talking it out with his fellow Democrats. The mayors of the so-called sanctuary and welcoming cities asked Polis not to add to their burden. They say Colorado's actions did not live up to the values of a proclaimed welcoming state and should stop immediately. Republican Ben Sass has officially given up his chair in the Senate. The politician from Nebraska is taking on a new role as president of the University of Florida. Sass leaves the Senate a mere two years into his second term. 
This after the University of Florida Board of Trustees voted unanimously in November to appoint him president. Sass has, Sass has had a frayed relationship with Republicans since his outspoken criticism of former President Donald Trump. He was one of seven Republican senators who voted to convict Trump in his second impeachment trial. That legal proceeding stemmed from the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol. After four days and 15 rounds of voting, Kevin McCarthy is the new Speaker of the House of Representatives. McCarthy had to make some concessions to a group of Republicans holding him back from a majority vote. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the battle for the gavel. Congratulations and Godspeed. There were some heated moments among Republicans on Saturday leading up to McCarthy's victory. McCarthy went over to talk to Representative Matt Gates after he fell one vote short in the 14th round. Frustration boiled over for Representative Mike Rogers of Alabama. He was held back by a colleague. Rogers later apologized for losing his temper. Gates says he forgives Rogers for the late night moment of high drama and looks forward to working with him. The two will serve on the House Armed Services Committee together. Republicans moved to adjourn for the night, but then, led by McCarthy, started changing their votes to stay in session. A 15th round of voting began as the clock neared midnight. The remaining Republican holdouts voted present in the 15th round. It dropped the tally McCarthy needed for a majority victory. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. The end tally was 216 to 212, with Democrats voting for Hakeem Jeffries. McCarthy says Gates united the group, holding him back to vote present in the last round. At the end of the night, Matt got everybody there from the point that not nobody voted against the other way. McCarthy thanked former President Trump. He says no one should doubt his influence. And really for the party and the country, that we have to come together. We have to focus on the economy. We've got to focus, make our borders secure. We got to do so much work to do, and he was a great influence to make that all happen. So, thank you, President Trump. McCarthy laid out his priorities for the 118th Congress. He talked about securing the southern border, combating woke indoctrination in American schools, and unleashing domestic energy production. Investigations into the perceived weaponization of the justice system and the Biden administration are also on the agenda. But some concessions had to be made by McCarthy to make victory possible. One of the most key being reinstating a centuries-old rule on the motion to vacate. It allows just one lawmaker to start a vote to elect a new speaker. The rule was done away with by former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. McCarthy has also promised some members of the House Freedom Caucus seats on the House Rules Committee. He also agreed to not increase the debt limit without spending cuts. The concessions will be added to a rules package and voted on. McCarthy's next big test as House Speaker will be getting enough GOP support to pass it. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Over a week of torrential downpours and damaging winds in California have killed at least 12 people. Forecasters warned that northern and central California were still in the path of a relentless parade of cyclones. They're predicting little relief for the region. NTD's Flinders Kingsley reports. California's devastating flooding and record snowfall has two overlapping weather systems to blame. One, an immense airborne stream of dense moisture from the ocean called an atmospheric river. The second, a sprawling hurricane force, low pressure system known as a bomb cyclone. 
Governor Newsom declared a state of emergency last Wednesday and asked the White House to issue a federal emergency declaration ahead of the coming storms. According to data from poweroutage.us, the storm left over 400,000 homes without power. Falling trees caused damage all over the state. Video footage shows the damage a massive tree had on one Sacramento resident's home. Oh God, everything's destroyed. Across town, another fallen tree in Sacramento blocks a road. And while no one was killed under these fallen trees, unfortunately, a homeless woman was killed when a falling tree branch fell onto her tent amid the torrential downpours. After a week of deadly weather, the state is still braced for more heavy rain predicted through Tuesday. By then, five feet of snow could fall on the Sierra Nevada mountains. With heavy floods causing ground saturation, the next storm moving through this week comes with an additional flood threat. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. A Virginia teacher who was critically injured when she was shot by a six-year-old student is showing signs of improvement. Meanwhile, authorities are trying to determine how a young child could have come into possession of a firearm. The first grader shot and wounded the teacher with a handgun in a classroom on Friday at Rich Neck Elementary School in Newport News, Virginia. The local police chief says the shooting was not accidental and was part of an altercation. Police have yet to release information about what led to the altercation as the investigation is ongoing. No students were injured in the attack. The teacher has been identified as Abby's Werner, who is said to be in stable condition and improving. The boy is currently being held at an undisclosed location. According to researchers, the case represents a rare occurrence. It's only the third case of a child shooting a teacher in about 20 years. The fact that we have a six-year-old individual with the ability to bring a gun into school and harm his teacher, something that we're still grappling with. It is still an active investigation. After the investigation is uh, concluded, I do know that myself, members of council, school board, along with the superintendent, are going to review our current security uh, protocols and policies, uh, a combination of SROs, um, police officers in the school, as possible metal detectors, Virginia law states that six-year-olds are too young to be tried as adults or be committed to the custody of the Department of Juvenile Justice. However, a juvenile judge could revoke the parent's custody and rule that the child be placed under the purview of the Department of Social Services if found guilty. According to the local police chief, the student and teacher had known each other in a classroom setting and the shooting was isolated to the single victim. He declined to comment further about the ongoing investigation and what contact there is between police and the boy's parents. And coming up, Taiwan has condemned the Chinese Communist Party for its combat drills near the island. The latest round of drills is China's second in a month. And the discovery of a hidden transmitter in a UK government vehicle has raised major concerns about national security and Chinese espionage. Stay with us to find out more. Welcome back. China holds another military combat drill around Taiwan. It was the second one in less than a month, with Taiwan's defense ministry detecting 57 Chinese aircraft. Taiwan's defense ministry said of the 57 aircraft and four naval vessels operating around the island, 28 aircraft entered Taiwan's air defense zone. Two of the aircraft were nuclear-capable H-6 bombers that flew south of the island nation. Taiwan's presidential office strongly condemned the drills. 
Beijing claims Taiwan as its own territory and has been threatening to take it under control by force. That's despite Taiwan having its own military, constitution and leaders. The communist regime has never ruled the island. Taiwan has maintained its position to neither escalate conflict nor provoke disputes, but says it will firmly defend its sovereignty and security. Taiwan added in a statement that peace and stability in the region was the responsibility of both China and Taiwan. China has never renounced the use of force to bring Taiwan under its control. <clears throat> China has made regular military incursions into the waters and airspace near Taiwan over the past three years. It held war games around Taiwan last August following a visit to Taipei by Nancy Pelosi, then Speaker of the House of Representatives. The discovery of a hidden Chinese tracking device in a UK government car has sparked growing concerns over spyware. Intelligence officials found at least one SIM card capable of transmitting location data. The device was discovered by security officials in a routine search of government vehicles. According to sources, the location transmitter was found inside a sealed part of the vehicle. It was installed by the vehicle's manufacturer before being imported from China. The Chinese regime has dismissed allegations of espionage as unfounded rumors. The device's discovery has prompted the UK government to review urgently security threats coming out of China. Now, location transmitters can be placed into vehicles without the knowledge of manufacturers. According to security sources, the pre-installed SIMs in the electronic control units are sent to manufacturers as sealed units. The SIMs can be used by the Chinese regime for purposes of eavesdropping as well as track the location of government officials. Security officials have confirmed that sweeping routine checks have increased in recent months, following concerns about increased Chinese espionage activity. Meanwhile, UK Conservative Member of Parliament Dr. Ian Duncan Smith has stated that it's time to refer to China as a systemic threat. Now back to the United States. Search and rescue crews have recovered the body of a missing snowmobiler buried in the Colorado mountains after an avalanche Saturday. Authorities say the avalanche had already claimed the life of another person. Emergency personnel responded to a report of two snowmobilers buried in an avalanche Saturday afternoon on Corona Pass. First responders, along with nearby citizens, recovered one of the snowmobilers, a 58-year-old man from northern Colorado. Rescuers attempted to resuscitate the victim, but were unsuccessful. The initial search was cut short due to weather and safety concerns, leaving the second snowmobiler missing. Upon returning to the search, rescuers located the missing snowmobiler. The body of the 52-year-old man will undergo an autopsy to determine the cause of death. The sheriff said this is the second fatal avalanche in the area this season. Two out of four New York City hospitals facing an imminent nurses' strike came to a last-minute agreement with the union yesterday. Meanwhile, a head physician at another facility predicted a really bad situation if employees walk out. Nurses at Mount Sinai Morningside and Mount Sinai West reached an agreement with management on Sunday afternoon. Thousands of other nurses are still planning to strike today at Mount Sinai's main campus and Montefiore Hospital in the Bronx. Union leaders say Mount Sinai is plagued by understaffing and that nurses are spread too thin. Nurses Association President Nancy Hagen says the emergency room at Montefiore is often so overcrowded that patients are admitted in beds in a hallway instead of hospital rooms. Goldman Sachs is, starting, is set to start laying off thousands of employees this January, starting from Wednesday. 
The Wall Street giant made the decision in light of a volatile economic environment. Sources say the layoffs will likely affect over 3,000 employees across most divisions. The cuts come ahead of the bank's annual bonus payments, which are expected to be down about 40 percent. They also come on top of the 1 to 5 percent of annual layoffs by the company. Goldman Sachs has not responded to requests for comment. Meanwhile, financial institutions across the globe are affected by an unstable economy. The Swiss National Bank reported an annual loss of over $140 billion in 2022, the biggest in the company's over 100-year history. It comes as falling stock and fixed income markets hit the value of its share and bond portfolio. Coming up, a performance that gives hope and inspires humanity. That's what audience members said after watching Shen Yun Performing Arts in Virginia. That and more after the break. Welcome back. Throughout the weekend, Shen Yun Performing Arts gave three full house performances in Virginia. Many came for the first time and some coming back, taking their families and friends. But one thing they all have in common. They left the show with an uplifted outlook and an unforgettable experience. And Denise Shiwen Rong has more. On the first weekend of the new year, Shen Yun gave 16 performances in six cities around the world. Here in Norfolk, Virginia, many eldest members have told me that they have been waiting for years to see the show. Beautiful. Inspiring. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. It was Everything wonderful. was wonderful. The music, uh, the, the performance, the dance, the whole story behind it, it just was exhilarating. I said there were many things that were great about the, uh, this performance, but the, the orchestra is absolutely amazing. So many times I'm sitting there watching the, uh, the performance itself, but that music is spot on. They are, they are very, very, very good. From legends to myth, from ethnic dance to folk dance, Shen Yun aims to revive 5,000 years of Chinese culture, inspired by the heavens. Many audience members say Shen Yun is more than just a performance. It is a spiritual journey. The spirituality, the, the dancing, the orchestra, how everything comes together. And when you're sitting there, you're really thinking about nothing else. It's, it's I guess it's almost like a spiritual journey. It's also affecting me on the spiritual side. It brings me to understand how important it is for people to look at everything else that's going around, not only what they've seen, but the fact that there's a creator and he cares about us. The entire performance embodied the idea that humanity needs to be kinder to each other, um, that our world now is, is sliding away from simple humanity, taking care of each other and being kind to other people. And, and this, this performance likes to, uh, um, uh, it's likened to being, getting back to taking care of each other, not just your family, not just your friends, but being nice and kind to everybody that you meet. They added that the performance is a must-see and that it will uplift your soul. I think that everyone should see a performance like this so that they, they enjoy the performance, but they gain a better understanding of the Chinese culture and what it's contributed to our world for so many, many years. So this 
show gives you hope. It's inspiring. It's beautiful. I'm, I just loved it. I don't think there's anything uh, that could help us more than to see something like this. And I'd love for everyone to see it. I think it's good for humanity. I wish you guys could show it to the whole world, especially our brothers and sisters in China. If someone sees this and it doesn't touch them spiritually, something's wrong. <laughs> In the coming week, Shen Yun will be performing in 14 cities around the world. Shiren Ron, NTD News. Wow, that beautiful scenery and the colors in those costumes, it looks really awesome. And certainly sounds like an inspiring show. Yes, definitely. <laughs> all right, that's all for today's program. Write us at goodmorning at NTD.com if you have any ideas or feedback that you would like to share. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.